A very, very good morning to you on Fellowship Day 492. I bid you a warm welcome, but it's certainly not warm where I am. As you can probably hear in the background, I'm not indoors. I'm not in my pseudo studio. I'm not using the best of microphones. But all for good reason. I'm welcoming you to the podcast today from Orkney. I'm in a wee town called Strumness or Stromness. If you want something a little bit more phonetic to place it on a Google map. Little town in Orkney, but here, out of office, visiting the European Marine Energy Centre. The folks there kindly invited me up to do some safety speaking. So I've mentioned this in the past. This is the pre-site safety initiative that I used to go out and share my dad's story of having survived Piper Alpha but struggled mentally with post-traumatic stress thereafter for the rest of his life and and turning all of that into a transferable framework so that people can understand that an accident is not a single point in time but something where the impact can ripple down the ages like dominoes falling one after the other. It's easy to see the first domino and the immediacy of an accident but it's far less obvious to see the other dominoes that can fall over time long after the newspapers have stopped writing about the accident, long after the TV cameras have stopped rolling. So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm in Orkney. But the day was so much more than that. I've reflected on this story for the podcast, I think back in some of the very earliest days of me trying this, maybe something like day seven or eight. I say that as I always do in these podcasts, ad-libbing it, I've no idea which day. Probably for this recording, I'll stop for a little moment now and play back some of what I said in those first reflections to do with that same story of my dad. So, uh, a lot of the time, the most difficult story to learn is your own. It's um, reflecting on my own story that has really helped me be able to do anything close to moving on in the case of my dad. I miss him terribly every day. I remember, I still remember where I was when I last saw him. I think about all the things I would love to have been able to help him with now in my more mature adulthood that I wasn't able to do when I was in my early 20s. Um, I can't change any of that <clears throat> but I can keep going and keep thinking about the parts of this pain that can help someone else it sounds desperately narcissistic and somehow trying to make myself a martyr I'm not the one who's struggled most with this situation but the point for this little recording remains for you that if you're listening to this to think about ways of bringing yourself into this sort of line of work or thinking about what might it, what it might entail, consider also that it is only one small part of a much bigger picture and that somewhere else on that same canvas something might be painted that just knocks you for six, something that you weren't expecting something that will be a deeper struggle than anything that 
the intellectual challenge of your job will ever bring. And back then, in the earliest days of the podcast, a couple of years back now, it's funny to say, but it was a couple of years back in terms of the anniversary of the accident that my dad was involved in. I'm playing back that episode. It's funny listening, not funny, but it's kind of weird hearing that version of yourself. You see how much you can change in a relatively short space of time back then. That anniversary date, the 6th of July, was like very much front and centre of mind. It wasn't too long since I'd started speaking about it publicly. I was still very much dealing with it head on, processing it for myself, using the work as a form of therapy. But last year, so a year on from that original recording, the 6th of July came and gone for the first time. Um, it wasn't until the day after the anniversary that I actually thought about it clearly. And in a weird sort of way, although I never forget it, it felt good to not have it as such a big thing in my mind. It gave me some reassurance that the way that I was processing all of this was starting to come good. It was starting to not rest easy, but rest well managed in my mind. And now at this point, a year on from that again, two years on from that original recording, I'm a day, I'm talking to you the day after speaking to the folks at the European Marine Energy Centre. And I'm, I'm feeling really good about it. It was one of the most vibrant Q&A conversation pieces after the talk that I gave about my dad that I've ever had. The questions were direct, they were honest, they were vulnerable, they were inquisitive, they were interested and therefore interesting. And it also catalyzed a lot of what happened later in the same day. And this is really what I want to come to, to bring this back, not just as a, a selfish soliloquy of me processing some challenging stuff in my personal life, but how it could be, as ever on the Read Indeed podcast, a prompt to you, something that is transferable and reframable in whatever you're challenged with in leadership. And the rest of the day, EMEC, the European Marine Energy Centre, with a series of meetings after the talk with different parts of the EMEC business, different departments, different personnel, each of them wanting to come and give their own reflections on how they had listened and absorbed and interacted with my safety presentation. But much more than that, and here's the transferable prompt piece, we had conversations about challenges that EMEC were facing right now. But what I found myself doing was asking what on the surface was the silly questions. I wasn't there to provide answers. I'm not an expert in the renewable energy business, the way that the engineers, the scientists, the executive team are within EMEC. I'm there as a outside observer overlapping with them because I had an interest in safety, overlapping with them because in general terms, I'm a scientist and technologist, but in no way an expert. So I spent most of the meetings and the rest of the day asking very genuine, very open, and on the surface, very naive questions 
And what then happened is that I saw that as conversation progressed, those questions that were deliberately open, deliberately clear in that I wasn't providing an answer, catalyzed conversation among people within the business. They started to think about solutions to their problems in a way that they hadn't before. They had the answers within them, but it wasn't until hearing these questions posed to them by, let's face it, an outsider, that they started to connect some dots that weren't there before. And I quite frankly felt amazing about that. You see the power of a facilitator. There's actually people within businesses called an innovation catalyst. I used to think that was a really cheesy term, but it was a real joy to behold just because I could be interested and therefore ask interesting questions. But the icing on the cake, the actual magic was to watch those people within the business figure it out for themselves. They just needed the problem posed to them in a different way. For example, there, and I, I'm, I'm saying this in general terms, I can't say too many of the specifics. This was um, a paid consultancy after all, everything that I did with and for EMIC is confidential. That said, a, a general transferable thing that you may find of interest if you're still listening to me at this point, eight minutes into the podcast, is that I was hearing a story of something that was currently being reported. Some people within the business understood how this thing was being reported. Others had no engagement with it and therefore no understanding of it. And that was causing some tensions. My simple question back to the team I was talking to at the time was, how could you turn this into something that's not reported but taught? How could you turn something that is put down on paper but turn it into a lesson to be learned? Uh, uh, a lesson to be interacted with, a simulation to be interacted with or something, you know, just something that doesn't report or just in any way preach something to the people you want to understand this message, but put it in a way that is not just as if through the lens of a teacher, but in a way that helps those people you need to understand the thing, understand the thing for themselves. How can you make it more than just a lecture or death by PowerPoint? How can you actually turn it into something where the person who is learning it has to interact with it and get feedback for themselves and go again and again and repeat the lesson and figure out what it is that you want to teach them. It's linking back to an earlier episode where I reflected on and delineated the difference between a mentor and a coach. A mentor is someone whose life experience and direct advice you can take on board. A coach is different and hope that the prompt that I've given you gives you food for thought in whatever leadership challenge you're facing in the workplace at the moment. All the very best. Take care for the holidays. Be well. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Catalyst. That, that, I think, was the role that I played yesterday. And so here's where I leave it as I look out into the bay at Orkney an hour before the taxi comes to pick me up to take me back to Kirkwall Airport and then back to Glasgow. How might you make 
it yourself, the innovation catalyst for your team? What are the na naive questions that you can pose to team members such that they can connect the dots before your eyes? What questions can you ask that, re that, re that reveal the answers that are already there? Let me say that again. What are the questions that you can ask that help team members find the answers that they don't know are already there? From Orkney, with thanks, with love. Thanks as ever for being here, folks.